Dark Travels, a podcast. Yes. Shabam. Shabam. So, weird ways to die. Unusual deaths. Yes. This week on Dark Travels podcast, we'll be talking about unusual and weird ways to die. Kind of specifically things that you don't think about anymore, but also just weird ways to die. It was going to only be ways we don't die anymore, but then I decided to invite my husband onto this podcast, and he knows about a lot of weird deaths because it's kind of a weird side hobby of his. So (laughs) then we just added in weird ways to die. Jeremy, introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Jeremy. I am Dagny's husband. And yeah, apparently I am mildly obsessed with people dying in strange ways. Probably because I grew up watching Looney Tunes. (laughs) And so if someone, if like an anvil fell on someone's head... That would be a strange way to die, but it would be quite funny. Not for them, obviously. But uh, Yeah, it, it takes quite a lot of effort to kill yourself in, an, in a strange way, it seems. Unless you're being murdered specifically. Like in a medieval kind of way, which we'll probably get into later. I feel like it's appropriate that I married someone who's weirdly obsessed with weird ways in, of dying. Yeah. Yeah, that, that uh, seems I like that it was caused from Looney Tunes. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's the slapstick nature of some of these things, like... A lot of times, pe- these people are dying because they get quite angry. So, <laughs> like, I know, I know of one, one specifically that I think we put down because we made a quick list of, you know, in the run up to this, of research of points of interest or not. I don't know. I, I find them interesting. Like, it was someone who had a, someone who got angry on a golf course and smashed his golf club on a bench and it broke in half and the shard flew up and stabbed him in the heart, Whoa. which I find kind of funny. <laughs> we, <laughs> so, Just get the ah. Push, push, ah. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? I can imagine. <laughs> and it is kind of funny. I mean, not so much for him or his family, but it's the kind of thing where if it happened in like a TV show, you would kind of giggle. Yeah. Depends on how in they. In real life, it's like. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on how they. Uh, I mean, it also depends on. Represented. The... Yeah, it depends. Yeah, if it's really gory, you might be more shocked. It depends on the person, too. I think some people would watch <clears> that, <throat> no matter who they were or the circumstance, and be like, ugh! But we all kind of have a little bit of a dark sense of humor, so yeah. when it's not happening in real life, well, it happened in real life, but when it's not happening to one of us, we very much hear that and laugh inappropriately. Like, there's definitely a couple on this list I've got here that uh, I find amusing. amusing. Yeah. yeah, there's one in an, an old operating theater that oh yeah, I that think was is quite hilarious. Fun. Yeah, well, yeah, when we, when we get into that, yeah. or there's like one from antiquity which I thought was also quite yeah. interesting. The further back you go, obviously before people started writing history down properly, it's all word of mouth, so some of them might be apocryphal, some of them might be embellished. Mm. But the embellishments are funny. Are quite well, they're interesting anyway. Yeah. They're amusing. Yeah. They're anecdotal. Yeah. They always make for a better story as well. Mm. Exactly. Sometimes embellishing is great for storytelling. Otherwise it just is yeah, he died, a shard went through his heart. More like, context. More context, please. <laughs> he was yeah. He was kind of responsible for it himself. How so? He smashed his golf club on a bench because he was angry. But also, yeah, you don't really think about golf course, golf courses, golf uh, clubs, clubs just shattering. Well, they break a lot. I mean, it depends if it's like a just made of wood that you would try and keep it light so you could swing it faster. I don't think I've ever used a wooden golf club. They definitely have what they have like the three wood and mm-hmm. I don't mean to blind people with my <laughs> golf expertise, but they have like number and then wood and various others. Okay, I mean, I'm not super into golfing. I feel You've like heard I of always... a five iron. Yeah, I'm they just, have, I have like 
a two wood. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I feel like I always use metal golf clubs. The pitch and putt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, not into golfing at all over here. I like a little mini golf, and that's about it. I like it if there's hills and obstacles and occasionally a dinosaur or a pirate yeah, getting in mi- the way. Yeah, mini golf. Yeah. Or as we call it here. In the UK, it is referred to as crazy golf. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Mini, mini golf is just pitch and putt. It is flat surface, try and get the you know normal golf, but in a small scale. Whereas if you want obstacles and moving parts and things like that, lumps, rocks in the way, tunnels, that's called crazy golf. Yeah, which sometimes I call it both. A lot of things I kind of stick with either the North American term or the British term, but that one I switch back and forth. Well, it's like you know the usual UK American thing of trying to discern between like a crisp and a chip or a biscuit and a cake, or that kind of stuff. Because yeah. if you say mini golf, you might mean a different thing. Yeah. Or if you say crazy golf, it is UK-centric, but you know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, very off-topic. Yes. <laughs> Be safe. <laughs> Don't get angry and try and smash a wooden golf club. Yeah. So do you think this golf club that he smashed was wooden, or do you think it was an iron golf club? I think if he had enough strength for it to be iron and for it to smash... Then, I mean, he was... He would be a force to be reckoned with, and I'm glad he's gone. <laughs> he was the whole basically, <laughs> and it's better off. Yeah, it was a three-wood golf club. Yeah. The shaft broke, bounced back at him, pissed his heart, dead. We've gone on about this one particularly <laughs> way too long. There are some other much juicier ones. <laughs> So for me, yes. uh, this summer I went to Salem, Massachusetts, and I was taking a tour of the House of the Seven Gables, and the uh, tour guide mentioned that because the fireplaces were all open, that woman back in the 16th and 17th century would soak their skirts in water to prevent them from catching on fire and that is terrifying and i don't know why they just didn't wear pants or trousers as you say over there uh i imagine it was back in the day when you had to wear very gender specific yeah, you, clothing. Allowed, you had to wear skirts that yeah. would kill you yeah if you caught them on fire but that's the point why like, why didn't they just stop wearing skirts if it was killing people exactly yeah exactly yeah it's, it's, i mean it I've, seems insane doesn't yeah it? at that point it feels like the need to be gendered outweighs the need to not have your wife die while you're away at work if only so that when you come home the meal is on the table <laughs> yeah i mean if we're still gonna be really sexist about it if we're gonna surely... look at it purely logistically <laughs> yeah you want your wife to be alive to do yeah. all your stuff. Yeah, exactly. So maybe let them wear trousers or pants or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, instead of the long skirt. Exactly. So that they can continue to serve your whims. It makes they no sense. They weren't thinking about sexism correctly back then. <laughs> no. <laughs> they were doing it wrong. Yeah, it was inefficient sexism. <laughs> yeah. Also on a slightly more serious note, but as a semi-tie-in with the the self-immolations that we talked about last week, I know in places like... Afghanistan, a lot of women deliberately set themselves on fire quite often when they are stuck in situations that they don't want to be in, like terrible marriages. But I think it actually makes it easier for them to, not not emotionally easier, but I think it's easier than it would be for someone in the West to do that who's wearing trousers and a t-shirt because they have those big flowy burqas and they set on fire quicker because they engulf your whole body. And so, like, very tragic, not at all saying that it's not. But I, I think, like... It's easier to set yourself on fire when you're head-to-toe covered in Yeah, because it's harder to get out of it. Once you've done it, you're committed. Like, you can't just stop, drop, and roll. Like, you're screwed. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking 
obviously they went up in flames too quickly, like even back in the 16th, 17th century, because wouldn't they just stop, drop and roll? They might have thought, I need to get in water and then run around, or panicked, and just, you know, fueled it. Yeah, I suspect maybe back then they didn't know stop, drop and roll, whereas I think in places where they're deliberately setting themselves on fire, they've also put flammable liquid on themselves, so that prevents them from doing any kind of effective stop, drop and roll. Also, I've never been on fire, so I'm not entirely sure stop, drop and roll works. Well, no one knows what they're going to do in a panic situation (laughs) until it happens. yeah. And these women in the 16th and 17th centuries are not trying to kill themselves. It's just accidental. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Whereas I, people who cover themselves with flammable liquid are definitely trying yeah, to. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. But I also don't know how flammable that material was because in some like because it's a lot of those dresses were so thick and so many layers. You do, like if it goes up really fast, it's hard to tell if they could have done anything. Mm. And if it gets yeah, probably to, not. And if it gets to certain parts of their body, like if it managed to get to the corset, like that stuck to you. So it's going to give you third degree burns anyway. And quite often, if you get third degree burns on any part of your body it can be fatal just because it's... It poisons the blood as it, it goes through that blood, area. Yeah. yeah, so if any part of them got that burnt, then especially with medicine where it was back then, it would have been pretty hard to come back from. Where you call a priest before you call a doctor. Yeah, especially in Salem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, the one doctor they had back then. Yeah, and he thought everyone was a witch. Yeah. <laughs> she died, and I'm not a bad doctor. It was clearly God's judgment. Yeah. <laughs> I see no reason to analyse this any further or learn from it in any way. God's judgment or witchcraft, and I couldn't have fixed it because witchcraft is beyond me. But yeah, so that was kind of what started this whole topic because I read your piece on that and I was like, that's an interesting little tidbit. That was not what the article was about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was quite fascinating, so I had to mention it. I agree, and I'm glad that you did. Okay, so when I was researching Death by Crinoline, where women's skirts catch on fire, they also mentioned that these because these skirts were so big, they would often get caught under horse carriages or in machinery, and it Yeesh. would pull the women underneath the carriage or into the machinery and they would be crushed to death which is also awful yeah it's grim so not only did they have to worry about fire they also had to worry about getting caught in things and being crushed yeah that's that's something that definitely i know of cases of things like that happening in there was definitely a lady who was wearing a long scarf who drove off in her convertible car or was driven off in a convertible car but the scarf got caught under the wheel and it killed her either by snapping her neck or tearing her head off somehow I know there were also, like, in during the Second World War, women in the factories were copying prominent movie actresses of the day. And you had someone like Veronica Lake, who had the long, wavy blonde hair I think I've heard that hung story. over her eye. Yeah. yeah. So they were kind of told not to do that because people, women would have the long, wavy hair that hung over you, your one eye and look very cool. Um, but when they were in the factories, they would lean down into the machines and then the machine cogs would pull their hair in and scalp them. Oh. Yeah. I think they also had a problem with um, their clothes getting caught. I think yeah. factories actually made some uh, standard dress practices more progressive because a lot of women couldn't dress in those big hoop skirts to factories because they couldn't work in them because otherwise they would have been sucked into half the machinery. Yeah. So they finally learned their lesson eventually yeah. about hoop skirts. Yeah. Finally. Finally. After <laughs> How a many? lot of really Back in the 1900s. horrific, tragic things that happened to women. Yeah. But also, on the topic of people getting set on fire with dresses, I was putting together one of our posts for dark places to go in London, and there's Postman's Park, which we had been to, but I hadn't necessarily read 
all of the different stories and I found out then when I was putting my post together that the youngest person honoured at Postman's Park, which I guess I should probably explain, is a park in London where different people from like the late 1800s, early 1900s, everyday people who died saving someone else. Or trying to save them. Or trying to save them, are honoured at the park with like a little... Plaque. Mosaic plaque. Uh, and the youngest person honoured there is a young boy named Henry Bristow from Walthamstow, London. And he died trying to save his little three-year-old sister whose dress had caught on fire. And he died tearing it off of her and he got set on fire by while doing that. Hmm. And so she was in critical condition but did apparently survive. But he didn't. He died within the day. So he is memorialised in Postman Park. Yeah. But again, that's that's a case of like a little three-year-old girl getting set on fire. So even if you don't care about women, surely you care about your children. Yeah. How did she get set on fire? Was she standing near a flame in the street or something? I don't know. I, I couldn't find anything about it. But I, I think they were at home. So oh, okay. she was probably near like the fireplace. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I just imagined. I thought thinking of the park, I assumed everyone was outdoors. Well, it was the late yeah. 18... It, that was 1890, 1891. So, that... so it's clearly still an issue. Yeah. Up until that point. At least in London. Not unusual then, but unusual to us now. Yes. Kind of. Well, there are very few open flame fireplaces yeah. these days. Yeah. Because people don't tend to have chimneys either. Mm-hmm. If they do, they're just decorative. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Weird ways to die. Go, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, shall I just list some unusual deaths? Go for it. Yeah, list a couple and we'll talk about it. But there is one that I definitely want to talk about, and that's the operating theater. Oh, yeah. Was... The operating death yeah. is sort of like a, like a triple bag sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I should say before he actually says anything about that one, we have heard a couple different versions of it. Are we getting into that one right now? Yeah, she, okay. she specifically says. So we'll get into that one. We have heard a couple different versions of the actual uh, story, of, story the of how it all unfolded, but we are going with the official story that we heard from the old operating theatre in London because we feel like theirs would probably be most accurate. That is from someone giving a talk at the old operating theatre. Yeah, it was for an official talk at the old operating theatre. So that is the ofi- that's the story we're going with. We're deeming that one to be the official one. But in all of them, the same number of people die in all the different versions we've heard. Yes! So basically the story is in the old operating theatre in London, they did many, many surgeries. This was during a time without anaesthesia, so surgeries had to be done very quickly. A lot of them were amputations, and lots of people were trying to improve the speed at which they could do amputations, because the quicker you are, the less pain your patient feels, the better a surgeon you are. And also, the less blood there is. Also, operating theatres are theatres, and they have spectators, so there's a bit of showmanship involved as well. Not necessarily an area you want showmanship in, but, so people were inventing all sorts of new gizmos and gadgets to try and do amputations even quicker. And one guy invented this, like, big old circular saw. We were told it looks kind of similar to, like, a pizza cutter, like one of those circular ones, but much bigger and with much... More lo- curves. More curves and, like, and sharper ones. Yeah. Because this is a time, obviously, before electricity, so whatever it is, it's hand-powered. But yeah, imagine a big pizza cutter with nightmarish pointy edges. And so he's got the patient there, he's going to do some form of surgery, I don't know exactly what, probably an amputation. I think it was the leg. Yeah, it was amputating the leg. He uses the implement and just sort of wildly swings around trying to amputate it. He amputates it badly, he botches that job, the patient dies, 
He sw- in swinging around, he also cuts off some of the fingers of an attendant physician who was just helping him out, and he dies of blood loss or something similar. And then in the swinging of this motion, he also embeds the saw in the wooden surround of the theatre behind which spectators are watching, and some old guy watching this thing who has just had two people violently mutilated by this big weapon and embedded in front of him has a heart attack and dies of shock. So yeah, he... If- effectively killed three people in one go. The guy who had his fingers cut off didn't die on sight, though. He just had his fingers cut off, and then he died later from blood loss. Yeah, I remember hearing about this story. I don't know if it's from your blog or from a different podcast about, like, medical history, but... Ooh, it sounds awful. I think as he was going so fast that he just lost control and then ended up, like... It was probably the first time he'd used the invention. Yeah, other versions that I've heard are where he, like, lost control and embedded the saw in the attendant's chest. (laughs) Which would have been instant. But what they said at the the old operating theatre was just that he sliced his fingers off and that the guy died later of blood loss. But would have, at the time, probably been, like, screaming in pain. Yeah. So at the very... That still would have shocked someone. So you can see why the guy would have died of a heart attack, but he he didn't die on scene. He died later because, you know, medicine at the time would have had a hard time... Stopping infections and stuff. Stopping infections and blood loss and all that. So he died of a combination of blood loss and infection, mostly infection. But yeah, so that one, yeah, as I say, heard different versions, but we're going with what is actually the tamer of all the versions I've heard. Yeah. um, But is the one from the feeder. So in theory, it's the most official. You would think they've done their research the best. So the, uh, yeah, the guy having a heart attack will probably be the most unusual Mm. thing there. Yeah, I mean, certainly people die of shock, but it's not very common. No. So that, yeah, that would be an unusual circumstance. (laughs) That one we definitely don't think about anymore. Not the dying of shock, but the dying of shock because someone's been amputated by a giant pizza saw in front of you and then uh, someone else has had their fingers cut off. (laughs) Yeah, presumably preempted by a gentleman, my new invention will revolutionise the amputation process. Look! (laughs) Oh, God! Yeah. (laughs) yeah and probably that doctor went on to continue doing amputations not because it was a corrupt system but just because they only had so many doctors and well you tried your best yeah (laughs) a lot of people my next invention now that one will work yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's, it's insane yeah what else what other ridiculous ways to die do you know of jeremy well there's the case of Tycho Brahe, whose grave we have visited. We have. And if you would like to visit, you can visit it in the Tyne Church in Prague, Old Town Square, in the Czech Republic. Yes. Poor old Tycho Brahe. Amazing name. Who is Danish, by the way, so no real connection to the Czech Republic, except that he died there. Yeah, he was at a banquet and didn't want to breach etiquette by excusing himself to relieve himself, having drunk a lot of, I assume, lots of wine and so on. And uh, by sitting there and just sort of holding it in, as it were, he got a bladder infection and died. Because he didn't want to get up, because it would be rude in polite society to leave the table to relieve himself. So, you know that when you really have to use the bathroom, you kind of do like a little dance? Exactly. Do you think he was kind of like doing like a little jig at the table because he had to go so bad, but he just couldn't get up because it was rude? Yeah, exactly. He was sat there thinking, I really need to go pee. I really need to go pee. But I can't because all the people are here. And one doesn't do that, does one? Not in this class of society. No. Yeah. 
So he just sort of couldn't here yeah, couldn't find an excuse to get away, unfortunately. So he just sat there, you know, using muscles or whatever to stop yourself from doing that for a protracted period of time. Yeah, I think it's very bad for you. Didn't he die of a combination of a bladder infection and like something ruptured in his stomach from it? Probably. Because yeah. it was digestive issues caused by not emptying his bladder and so on. Yeah, sometimes he is referred to as having eaten himself to death, but that no, is incorrect. No, that's a different person. No, but he, I've heard people say he ate himself to death too, but that is incorrect because that's not what happened with him. Uh, but he, he died a couple days later. Um, he, was, he wasn't able to leave the Czech Republic and his like support staff were like unable to figure out what was wrong with him at the time. Yeah. And, yeah, he just died, never left, quite sad. But that is also probably something that wouldn't happen very much today because most of us would just say, I really need to pee. Like, please excuse yeah, me. We've accepted that everyone else, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone yeah. else has the same issues we do. And yeah. when you drink water or wine, yeah. you just gotta go. Yeah, I'm also no. just not that polite. Like, I would just get up. This was a, diff- a different time. Different era. Now, the person I know who ate himself to death is a king who ate himself to death, which apparently is Adolf Frederick, former king of Sweden, who ate a huge amount of food one banquet and then died because he had uh, a meal of lobster, caviar, sauerkraut, smoked herring and champagne, topped off with 14 servings of his favourite cake dessert, which is wow. like similar cake served in a bowl of hot milk. So, yeah, a whole massive feast and 14 cakes and then... <laughs> Died of course of digestive issues. We're on Wikipedia right now, and I'm looking at the photo of him, and he's he's not very big at all. He's nice and thin. So, well, the you thing know, is, paintings are accurate. Well, the thing is, yeah, back in the day, you probably wouldn't want to paint the king no, in a not. bad light, no. because he'll look at it and say, "Die," <laughs> and everyone else would be like, "That's the law." <laughs> so. <laughs> There's some very uh, flattering portraits of people like the English Regency kings, like George the something second or something like that, that where in real life he was horrendous. Well, one of the, I never remember which one, but one of Henry VIII's wives he chose based on the strength of her portrait, and then she showed up and he was like, minging, get rid of her. <laughs> that would be Anne of Cleves, yeah. the fourth wife. She was divorced due to him having only seen her in portrait form until the wedding day, and then was displeased with how she looked. And so it's like an early form of catfishing. Yeah. Kind of. But it wouldn't have been something they did deliberately, because most think... people would have just painted them attractively. I think maybe... Yeah, but that was the misleading thing. They would have said, we need to marry you off, Anne of Cleves, yeah. to the King of England. Let's paint a picture of you that's quite favourable, and he'll say yes. Yeah, that's true. In her case, it would have been more similar to catfishing, unlike any portrait of him wouldn't have been to sell it to someone to get them to marry him. It would have just been, we don't want to paint a bad portrait of the king. No, we want to make the king look good. Yeah. I mean, all portraits, you want to make people look good. It's just, yeah. in this case, he was also very shallow and was like, ugh, screw the alliance with France, out you go. Yeah. Isn't he the king that introduced divorce? Yes. Yep. He created the yeah. Church of England so that he could get divorced the first time. And then because he was part of the Church of England, his daughter... Bloody Mary was insane and hated the Catholics. Protestants. Sorry. She was Catholic. She was Catholic. They she hate... was well Catholic. She was well... No, but wasn't... Oh, yeah, she would have been raised before the split. She was born before the split. I don't know it that well, but probably. Yeah. But they both boiled them alive. Both boiled... Ah, Who terrible. were they? Her and her father. Henry VIII. Yeah. Boiled Protestants alive. Protestants alive. He was kind of a Protestant. Go check our article. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he started the practice. Yeah. I was going to say, he started the practice of boiling people, but was he boiling 
Protestant. Yeah. Okay. That's why I got confused, because the Church of England is Protestant, but he didn't actually like Protestants, apparently. How ironic. Yeah. Anyway, unusual deaths. Unusual deaths. Being boiled alive. Yeah. We don't well, think about that anymore. I mean, no. <laughs> that, that would have to be accidental these yeah. days. I think some it's definitely happened to some people. There have been people that have died in things like the hot springs. Yeah. Have fallen in and uh, recovered them later and it's just been bones or very shriveled versions of them. Yeah. Even like minutes later, there's not much of them left. It's a horrible way to die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty bad. I mean, a lot, lot, some of these yeah, are quite instant, like the golf club thing you'd think wouldn't last very long. No, I wouldn't think being boiled alive in a hot spring would last very long either. If, it, if you fell in, it would be pretty instantaneous. I don't think it'd be quick enough for my taste. Yeah, I, but I think that one's pretty quick because it's so hot. Like, I don't think you're... Do you think it just burns away the senses? I think, the nodes, I think that's you, pretty... You, don't, inst- te- you strangely don't feel anything. Yeah, I mean, obviously I don't know and I never want to know, but I think it's pretty instant. But I could mm. be wrong. Please, no one test it out and tell me. Yeah, we don't need to know. Yeah, we no. don't actually need to know. Unless you are a scientist and you can tell me definitively. <laughs> Other unusual deaths of note. I'm quite a fan of this one from antiquity with Aeschylus, a playwright. Yeah, I love this one. Was killed by a turtle dropping on his head. Because back in the day, and possibly still now, eagles trying to eat turtles knew they had to crack their shells. So they would take them, grab them and take them up high in the air and drop them from height to crack the turtle shell on a rock. And one of them mistook Aeschylus's bald head for a nice sharp rock. <laughs> Dropped a turtle on him from a great height, and it killed him. And probably the turtle. Yeah. Ironically, Aeschylus had supposedly been told a prophecy that he would die by having something dropped on his head, so he spent a lot of time outside, away from things on high shelves. Because he thought, if I'm inside, something might, uh, like a pot or a vase or something, might fall from a shelf and kill me. But if I'm outside, what, I'll get rained on? Oh, that'll be fine. Oh no, a turtle! Dead. Possibly he didn't even see it coming, though. Probably not. So yeah, he was killed by... I like that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's got myth, it's got prophecy, it's... Yeah, I mean, that one feels like it's probably a lot of embellishment, but I still think it's it's great. The stories go, it's quite nice. And it's well rounded off with the prophecy aspect. Yeah, <laughs> you would have been fine if you'd stayed indoors. Yeah, ironically. Yeah. There's a lot of that in ancient Greece about people trying to avoid prophecies once they've heard them and then they become true because they've avoided them. Yeah, that's often the case. People make prophecies happen by knowing that they are yeah. going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. Who else we got? Uh, Jean-Baptiste Lully died of conducting. Yeah, this is a good one too. Yeah, classical music person, because back in the day, before conductors had sticks that everyone watched with their eyes, they would keep rhythm by banging a staff on the floor. A rather sharp staff. Well, he was probably conducting something very vigorous, and he stabbed himself in the foot and got gangrene and died. I mean, at least he died doing what he loved. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. <laughs> conducting. Yeah, well, I mean... Silver infor- lining. Unfortunately, he probably died in a bed later, but yeah, if he died instantly, he would have died doing what he loved. Yeah. He died because of what he loved. Yes. And isn't that what we all strive for? (laughs) But yeah, that one's pretty gruesome. Not a thing that you think about, the fact that something like that... Conducting can kill you. Can kill you. I mean, again, though, these days it's a lot less likely to, unless the tip of that conducting stick was dipped in, like, poison or something. Conniving plot. Yeah, like, yeah, Yeah. something you'd see in a murder mystery. (laughs) But these days... Yeah, but these days that's not likely to kill you because we can treat gangrene and infection much quicker. I have a more modern, ironic death. Yeah, go for it. Owner of the Segway company. Accidentally rode a Segway off a cliff. So it's not necessarily unusual, but... It's quite ironic. Yeah, his own invention kind of killed him. 
Yeah. That seems to happen a lot with inventions. Mm. The inventors always seem to die because of the invention. Yeah. I can't name a single other person, but I know there are. <laughs> definitely happens. Yeah. But I feel like sometimes I can see people dying because they're trying to invent something and it kills them. This one's kind of ironic because it's already invented and successful and we use them nowadays and he's just like, la 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 la, ooh, Cliff, ah. Oh. There was one person. That was a pitiful scream, by the way, but carry on. <laughs> there was one person, I think his name was Thomas Mitchley, who was responsible not only for the gas that refrigerators released, destroying the atmosphere, but also responsible for trying to solve the problem of motor engines knocking by putting lead in petrol and thus also polluting the planet hugely. Eventually got polio when he was older. He invented a harness to help himself in and out of bed and accidentally got all twisted up in it and died in his polio harness. That's quite So he sad. invented something that killed him. Yeah. There you go. There's two. How awful. Yeah. The the Segway one, I just wonder if he was just like riding along and he just didn't realize there was a, a cliff there or if he was just like he lost control and he forgot how to like, because I've never used a Segway. So I think just seemed like magic to me. So maybe he like rolled forward and he couldn't go back because he was scared. I have no idea. Yeah. Maybe he lost control of it. <laughs> Maybe he was trying to kill himself. We'll never know. Maybe. Maybe he was blind drunk. Yeah. I'm fairly certain these are all slanderous in some way. Yeah. It was an accidental death. But, but you'd twist- think, as the inventor of it, he would be the one most qualified to drive it. Exactly. You would think he would know how to get it back up and running if it was out of control, as opposed yeah. to driving it off of a cliff. Every time I hear that one, though, it makes me think of all the things that aren't... That one is true, but that aren't true, like the fact that people always say Bobby McFerrin, the guy who sings the song Don't Worry, Be Happy, killed himself. But that's not true, because he's very much still alive. But that story always makes me think of that. Jeremy's trying to confirm facts now. I'm just confirming facts. (laughs) Do you want to know how he died? (laughs) Other than he just segued himself off a cliff? Does it have the really gory details? Yeah, I think he was just found at the bottom of of a cliff next to a Segway. (laughs) Yeah. It does say the police report did not find it to be suspicious. Hmm. I'm suspicious, though. He may have been trying to avoid a dog walker on a narrow path and then fell down. Hmm. It looks like they did not find particular fault with that machine. So it might have been rider error. Yeah. I mean, it's always dangerous to be hanging out near the edges of cliffs anyway. Mm. Enough people are dying yeah, taking yeah. selfies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, that's an unusual death that's not so unusual anymore that we still very much think about because more and more people are dying every day from selfies. Got to find yeah, that perfect that shot. Perfect mm. Maybe not every day, but certainly commonly enough that it's becoming a real problem. Dying mm-hmm. for the gram. Yeah, started off as unusual, but now it's getting commonplace. Any others? Well, I have one more, and this one is a story that is referred to from a friend of a friend, but is true. Someone was driving in Australia, and they hit an emu on the road. Which uh, is a very angry bird for anyone that doesn't know what an emu is. You'd think A large one. Yeah, a very a, large, yeah, angry bird. Like a person-sized bird. No, they're bigger than people. They're okay. huge. Uh, I mean, I say that as a small person, so maybe they're normal-sized. They're, they're regular-sized. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Dagny. <laughs> For those who don't know, Dagny is very short. I'm four foot nine. So everything. It's like 150. Like, it was huge. It was regular sized. <laughs> yeah, so, that's yeah. what I said. Man driving in Australia. Of all the animals, you would think it might be a kangaroo, but he hit. And I don't say that stereotypically, but I mean that because kangaroos often just jump across roads in Australia. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> a man was driving in Australia. He hit an emu, which went through his windshield, and the accident report listed impalation by emu. Yeah, the force of hitting it forced the emu into, into the his car, body. and it, his beak pierced his chest and killed him. Yeah, 
So that's quite unusual. Yeah. I mean, even in Australia, that's quite unusual. Even in Australia, land of things that kill people. Well, and also just they have emu, but it still doesn't happen every day. It's still a very unusual way to die. It's also because, yeah, the report specifically says impalation by emu. So it's not like the crash killed him or like the glass didn't shatter. Yeah, it was the actual bird physically piercing his body that killed him. Yeah. And I imagine the emu didn't survive. I imagine the emu died by impalation of human or... Choked to death died. on a human. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> died by impaling a human. Well, I imagine the emu died of being hit by a vehicle hard enough to get through its windshield and pierce a person. Possibly, or its neck snapped when it impaled him. Yeah, many ways. Yeah. We're more concerned about the emu. In this yeah, movie. we really are, yeah. Poor emu. So, these people didn't die, but it's very, like, stereotypical Canadian when you think about it. But a woman was going, she was driving to the hospital to visit her sister, um, she hit a moose on the way, but she was visiting her sister who was in the hospital because she hit a moose. Oh, that reminds me of another unusual death that's kind of similar. There was a lawyer trying to get his client off from murdering someone because they asserted that the gun went off accidentally. And in trying to reenact in the courtroom how a gun might have gone off accidentally, he accidentally shot himself and died. And his client was acquitted. Because he had successfully Because he successfully proved. proved how you could kill yourself by accidentally letting off a gun. Yeah. By accidentally letting off a gun. And killing himself. Yeah. <laughs> by actually doing it. Yeah. So that's quite unusual. Yeah. I mean, how he managed to have a loaded gun in a courtroom. Maybe. I know, that just baffles me. <laughs> I feel like this was a few decades ago. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. A lot of fun, horrible, unusual ways to die. And by fun, I mean none of them are fun. They're all pretty... I think we could assume that none of them are fun. No. Apart from... No, none of them are fun. None of them were fun. (laughs) For anyone. (laughs) Maybe the guy on the Segway had some joy before he went splat. I doubt it. But I don't think so. Probably shock and fear and then dead. Yeah, because he knew what was coming. So what did we learn from this endeavour of talking about all these people who have died in such unusual ways? Uh, death can be around the corner at any moment. So live your life to the full? Sure. And always wear pants. Woo! Woohoo! This has been a Dark Travels podcast, brought to you by... us. <laughs>